Hi, this is Craig Shapiro, and you are listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 37 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week, we speak to the founder and host of the Under Review Tennis Podcast, Craig Shapiro. Craig tells us all about the podcast. He tells us about his early days as a stringer with Andre Agassi. He tells us how he's so well connected in the world of tennis and a lot more. Craig's an interesting character. You're going to enjoy this show. As usual, if you're new to the show, I'm Fabio Molle, your host. You'll find me over at our Instagram account, Functional Tennis. I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor's head. Okay, let's roll the show and get talking to Craig. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Fabio, uh, first time, long time, baby. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Very excited to talk to you. I've been following your podcast now, maybe for, I don't, under a year maybe just nine months, maybe, and came across all the guests you've had. Like my first one I listened to, one of the first was the Ron Yu one. Is that how you pronounce his surname? Ron Yu. Yes. Indeed. Amazing. Racket stringer and racket technician to the, you know, to, to, the, to stars. the stars, to the biggest people in the game. We interviewed Ron in his hotel room at the end of the year ATP finals um, while he was stringing Roger's racket, which was fun for sure. And uh, in the, in, right next to him was Glenn, who was stringing Joker's racket at the same time. You know, these guys are sort of the unsung heroes of tennis. And that was really the, you know, the mission of our show is to talk to people we think are the most interesting people in the sport. And that's whether it's a, uh, ex-player, players, coaches, broadcasters, racket technicians. You know, we've tried to have them on the show. We've tried to try some different, we've, we've tried to do some different things. If a listener heads over to their favorite podcast app and searches for the Underview podcast by Craig and his team, they'll see names like Brad Gilbert, Henry LeConte, Stan Smith, Judy Murray, Kafelnikov, James Blake, James, uh, Jim Courier, the list goes on, Tim Henman there. Lindsay like, Davenport. Yeah, I, I ran out of names there. I'm sure you can keep going. It's a crazy amount of names. So how have you got these names on your podcast? The long story short is when I was in my early 20s, I traveled for about, I think, probably maybe inside of 24 months on the pro tennis tour. I was a, a racket technician and a, a stringer. And I worked for a guy whose name was Jay Schwai, and he had gotten a deal done with Andre where somebody would be with Andre wherever he went. So I had this moment in 1997 and 1998 where I basically was, you know, I, I traveled with Agassi. And at the end of 98, or, at, or actually after Cincinnati in 98, I never strung another racket. I, I left I left and I started a, a career in television, sports television, and, and, and kept a lot of the relationships I had made in tennis together. And when I start, when we started the podcast about 18, 19 months ago now, you know, I, I just kind of, we just kind of got scrappy at times. And other times I was able to 
you know, sort of leverage some of those relationships that I've kept. Brad Gilbert is a friend of the show. And, um, you know, that's been useful for sure. Jim Courier is a friend of the show. That's been useful for sure. We have fluid relationships with Jim and his company that do a lot of the different senior tour events. It was called the Invesco Series. And, you know, vis-a-vis that relationship, we've been able to interview James Blake, Tommy Haas, Marty Fish, um, Mats V. Launder. Uh, you know, we were able to kind of work our way to those people that way. But that's it, man. I can't give you all my secrets. No, I, no, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want kidding. them all. I'm just kidding. Also, we've, you know, um, Jerry Solomon, who is Yvonne Lendl's longtime agent. You know, I've been pestering him to get Yvonne on the show. And he said, you know, Yvonne's going to be tough right this second at the time. But, you know, I'm doing an event in Albany, New York, right before the U.S. Open. I can get you some players there. And we ended up interviewing Belinda Benchich and Sophia Kennan there. Okay. And I introduced myself to Bianca Andrescu there. We recorded an interview with Bianca the Friday before the U.S. Open began, man. So we actually have had the last two women major champions on our show, which I think is um, pretty great. That's pretty special. That is, you're at the cutting edge of Grand Slam winners. That's it, baby. Tell me, what was it like to tour with Mr. Andre Agassi? Man, you know... (laughs) that's a good question i had a boss who was sort of you know he kind of was difficult so all the interesting moments were tempered by you know kind of stress of working you know you don't really sometimes you don't quite have an opportunity to sit back and enjoy the ride but man i listen i went to australia monte carlo munich you know dc la U.S. Open. Um, I got a front row seat. You know, I sat in the player box in a few in, in Munich. I think Andre lost to Enquist in the final. I, I have a lot of interesting memories from that. Have informed a lot of a lot of what we do because we sort of I learned the machinations of pro tennis in a way. I think mm, yeah. some may disagree, but I think I think I think that was sort of it and. Yeah, it was an amazing. It was a very short moment. I didn't stay with it. I didn't gravitate to that work. Like I knew, I knew I wasn't gonna be a racket technician for a long time. But I have immense respect for that group. But that was the way I kind of worked my way in. I knew I wanted to work in sports. I wanted to work in tennis. I love tennis, and and um, you know, you just can't make that up, right? Like we. <laughs> To, you know, to be in Monte Carlo with Andre doubling my my bets at the blackjack table. I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Those experiences. You can't buy those experiences. No doubt. And do you still be in touch with Agassi now? No, no. I probably didn't do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't do a great job keeping that relationship together. But I did, you know, in 2000, I think, six. I did a documentary about Andre for the Tennis Channel. That's about, I think it's a 90-minute show. That was very well received. It's called, it is called Agassi Between the Lines. I watched that last night. Really good. Really, really good. Yeah, thank you. So I sat down with Andre, you know, what was probably 
two and a half, three hour interview at least. That was a great moment. I thought I thought we actually did a great interview. And I think the last time I saw him, I was actually at the Pacquiao Mayweather fight and Andre was there and with Steffi, you know, we were very close to each other and I said hello and we talked for a moment. But I don't make any claims to be on his you know, on his short list. Yeah, for those listening, I'm gonna put a link to that uh, show in the in this podcast page. So great episodes, about 80 minutes and really enjoyed it. Sat down with my wife. She loved it. She did. Everybody loves Agassi, but uh, it was really insightful. You did a great job there and I was excited to see that. Also, you did another video with Patrick Mortoglu, which I thought was great also. I know it was a bit shorter, but it was well done and the questions asked were really good. You know, last May, yeah, I think at the beginning of May, right after Monte Carlo, I went to the Academy to do a story for Tennis Channel on Patrick. If you actually go to the Tennis Channel's website, you can see that it's under, I believe, Tennis Story. And I post that stuff from time to time. And I was able to work a, a podcast in afterwards. And um, man, I loved, I loved being at the Academy. I loved what I saw there. And I came in very skeptical. I didn't know a lot about him. And um, I came out impressed, to say the least. People should not sleep on him if, if they think that he, you know, is an empty suit of tennis or something like that, or just a, you know, a, a marketing machine or whatever it may be. That is not the case, man. He walks it like he talks it. People should listen to that interview. That's a great interview. It provides a lot of insight to Serena, into Sitsipas. I think we talked about Coco Goff, if I recall. The thing about our show is, is that, you know, we don't really sit down on current events for very long. So our shows are kind of what we call evergreen, right? You can go back and listen to the stories. And, and uh, if you love tennis, you'd enjoy it. Yeah, no, definitely. When I went back, on your Vimeo channel, I saw the Ron you one again. You had the video up of that interview, which I thought was great. And you bring up an interesting point, which should make a good story. The Pete Sampras pro staff racket. Maybe you can tell us more about that. He had a version of his racket, which was made in an island called St. Vincent, correct? That's right. And they stopped making them. Is that what happened? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, not, not just Pete. Uh, Courier played with that racket. Pete played with that racket. They called him the St. Vinny. Uh, there was a pro staff that was made on this island that had a Wilson factory, St. Vincent, and the players swore by the racket. And the, the factory burned down, is the story that I know. And Pete apparently, you know, put out sort of an APB on the racket and he stockpiled the racket. And, you know, most of most of the other players, I think, moved off the racket. But uh, for some reason, I think Edberg played with it, but I could be wrong about that. Am I right? I think he used to play it. I think he changed then. I was only a kid back then. But, but, you know, the big thing was, is the player said that the racket from the different factory felt different. And that was it, man. You couldn't get these players to use the racket from a different factory. A lot of different sort of inside intricacies in tennis that, you know, we like to talk about on our show for sure. You know, I think even Jim Courier in the interview, he mentioned it. He played with the St. Vincent Wilson um, and he talked about how he strung it and stuff, you know, and he he talked about how he kind of was playing with old technology at the back end of his career. He didn't really make a change in a timely fashion and, 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 and whatnot. 
Federer was more or less using that racket at the start of his career as well. I'm not a technology expert. I was once for a moment, and then I gravitated more to the stories of these players and such. So I'm not as technologically sound as others. That's not that's not really the the crux of our show. However, you know we we've had Roman Prokus who's really one of the Jedi Knights of <laughs> of racket technicians and, and Ron you as I said on so those are those are very popular episodes it seems like people like the technology stuff for sure maybe thought technology just the stories behind them stuff that players use stuff that happened uh, you're right it's all about those little small stories that people are really interested in and that's what I find myself most interested in that's maybe why I like your podcast because you get some nuggets of information that are probably tour secrets that you wouldn't normally hear be it reading blogs or on the news or commentators know so it's good to be able to dive in and hear these stories straight from the players themselves yeah man I mean you know one of our biggest challenges is getting the players to, or the well certainly is getting the, the current players to sit for these extended amounts of time we want and that, that does sometimes translate to the ex-players but you know one thing i'll say is i think that the guests we've had have had an enjoyable time on the show and that's that's also helped us you know lockdown guests and, and and whatnot you know they seem to like the show and and you know that that helps that helps yeah no it definitely does if they helps and obviously they tell their friends to jump on as well and their friends or other players and it makes a big it can help a lot this podcast is brought to you by asics tennis asics is a japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being they just launched their most innovative tennis range ever get the new cord ff3 novak or gel resolution 9 at asics.com asics tennis have also just launched their new cord ff3 novak the only tennis shoe designed with novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS, visit their website www.asics.com. And tell me, so you've ch- you're gone down a Patron route where you offer additional privileges to people who pay X amount a month. Do you feel that's the way podcasting yeah. is going? I don't know, man. I've, I've <laughs> I got no idea. You know, we started the podcast. We came right out of the box with Brad Gilbert, then Jeff Tarango. Then Nicholas Pereira, and then you know Serena melted down at the U.S. Open. We came right back with a woman named Ashley Harkleroad who shared the same agent with Serena, and and we just we felt like you know we didn't think we had a smash hit, but we, our show was very really well received right from the jump. So you know the thought was was try to go after some you know how can we get some money in the bank to keep it popping. You know, how do we how do we do this? Because it's hard. Right. So we just hustled hard till the back end of the year. We went to London and recorded, you know, five, six, seven, eight interviews in London. And then we came back to the top of the year. And then in April, I think right after the Indian Wells, we started a Patreon page. So if you go to Patreon dot com slash under review tennis, we offer never heard before special content interviews links to some shows I've done and we and we offer these perks so you could you know go play tennis with Jeff Tarango at the Jack Kramer Club you can get a VIP package to one of these senior tour events we just I actually just practiced with one of our patrons 
myself that she bought the package you hit with me in love Australia. It. Love <laughs> so, it. Love yeah, yeah. So it's just an interesting. Yeah, it was cool and it was it was a thrill. I enjoyed it. Um, I love talking to the fans of our show. You know, I think it's really nice. And um, the Patreon is a way for people that like the show to help us and in and in doing so, you know, get some cool stuff. And we're still trying to figure it out, man. I don't have this. I we haven't cracked the code. Tell me about it. Our social media, our, our show is better than our social media. <laughs> so. You know, we're trying to kind of, you know, just sort of figure it out. Uh, one of the other things that we were able to make happen is we, we got Sergio Tacchini to sponsor the show, you know, which is like such a thrill for me to have Tacchini involved is like, you know, for me, it's like the closest thing I've, I'll ever come to like sort of being a pro athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I just, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I'm literally wearing the McEnroe blue and red warm-up jacket right now we've got a fluid relationship with them and uh that's been incredibly interesting we, we ran a giveaway on our instagram and our social media where a young guy won a cool bucket hat and a warm-up suit and uh, i think a t-shirt so we're trying different stuff to put some money in the bank so we can keep it just keep it rocking you know the Sergio thing I find really funny because our podcast sponsors here are Head, who are amazing. And I've basically used Head since since I was a kid, since of Agassi with his rackets. I've always had his rackets as a young kid, all the different radicals. I may have even had a, a Donne before that, his orange Donne. But for Head being involved, it's a close thing. I'm going to get to be a pro player where they send me rackets and bits of gear and bits and bobs and no better feeling. It's really special. So I know how you feel wearing your... 1980s slick Sergio Tacchini inspired tracksuit. I know the feeling completely. Not inspired, man. My stuff is official. There's nothing inspired. We're official over here. They're 80s designs, but made today. No doubt. Exactly. You said you, you stopped stringing when you worked back in the Agassi days. You just gave it up completely and you started a production company. What, what was your main job then after that? I that's not how it went down. I hated stringing rackets. I hated every second of it after, after you know, 25 months or whatever it was. Um, and I knew it wasn't my last stop. And um, basically, I got my uh, a guy I went to college with afforded me my entire career. Uh, my, my friend John Crystal got me a job at HBO Sports in part because they still had Wimbledon at the time. And um, I learned basically the HBO way of the HBO sports way of storytelling. That's kind of what set off my career. And from then, you know, I basically have put different nonfiction sports content on almost every major network in the United States, you know, with certainly a heavy focus on boxing for a long time. Boxing was my bread and butter. Uh, vis-a-vis my relationship with HBO. HBO for the longest time was the leader in boxing. And uh, I was able to work some tennis in throughout the years. I worked, um, I, I did stories for the USA Network during US Opens. I did I did a lot of different stuff. I didn't gravitate towards live TV. I, I hate being in a TV truck and I don't like being on headset. My left ear, it's actually 
you know, like pretty deaf, so I can't even really be on headset. <laughs> I kind of fumbled through, you know, some of that live TV stuff. I never fit a great role. I got some work. As I said, I did documentaries on Sampras and Agassi for Tennis Channel. But I was never really quite able to tell the stories I wanted to tell in tennis. So I just kind of backed out. And then a few years ago, 2017, I believe, this magazine came on the scene, Racket Magazine. And uh, I was able to, we, we all became fast friends. If people have a chance, they should check out Racket Magazine. It is the coolest thing in tennis. It's a piece of artwork. And uh, I wrote a story for them that I'd wanted to tell for a long time about a gentleman named Martin Mulligan, who... I literally just posted on the Patreon page for our patrons uh, the uncut interview I did with him when I wrote this article. Uh, Martin Mulligan was three in the world in 1967. He is the only player to have had match point on Rod Laver the years that Rod Laver won the Grand Slam. He won the Italian Open three times. He got to the finals of Wimbledon, losing to Rod Laver. And since the beginning of Fila, he is the long time and only head of their pro player program. So he put Fila on Bjorn Borg. He put Fila on Guillermo Vilas, Sabatini, and, and Sophia Kennan. You know, and, and if you look into the player box, you see him sitting behind the dad. And uh, it's a badass story that. I wrote for Racket. It's in Racket magazine. I believe it's edition number six. The story is called Oriundo. And uh, that's what kind of worked me back into tennis. Probably inside of a year after that, plans were in place to do the podcast. Great. So you were back to your roots. The, the podcast uh, sort of scratches a lot of itches for me. I always thought that I was uh, a very underrated interviewer. Um, I thought that I was doing really good interviews and Nobody was like, oh, yeah, you know, Craig's doing really good interviews. <laughs> so so I started doing the podcast. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you do really good interviews. You know, that's been a big thing. And also, like I said, I'm able to do these deep dives that do these deep dives that we think are pretty interesting and in a way collecting the history of tennis. And that's a very cool thing for me. No, yeah, no, you're right. Your content is I, you can't see this, but before you said evergreen about 10 minutes ago, I wrote down evergreen content on my notepad here. That's the impression I got from your content. So you're you're sending out the right message. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, it, it's it's great talking to you, Craig. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I look forward to seeing, to, sorry, to hearing and seeing more of your work uh, moving forward. So yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show. For those listening, if they just, put in under review tennis podcast into tennis under review tennis that's the key yes if you write in under review tennis podcast it comes up on everywhere you get a podcast yeah so you find it there check out all these episodes there's bound to be one you like i can guarantee that so yeah that's it thanks for coming on craig and i may see you at some tournament at some stage Come on, man. We're going to be large and in charge in Monte Carlo. Um, that's a Takini event. You know, Takini is the, the apparel sponsor of the event. So uh, that's sort of the next thing. We'll be at Indian Wells. We'll probably be at Miami. And then I think we'll be in Monte Carlo. Great. Well, I'll try to get to one of them, probably the more the Monte Carlo one. But yeah, thank you very much. Come on, man. 
come down to Monte Carlo. You got to bring me one of those spoons. I want one of those spoons. We'll organize the wood spoon. We'll organize a spoon for you. That's no butter at all. I'll trade you a tikini warm up for a spoon. Deal done. Deal done. Come on, baby. You got to do that. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Craig, and speak soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Fabio. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Craig. If you want to check out the podcast, just as he said, go to Under Review Tennis in your favorite podcast app and there's bound to be a guest for you. I'll be back next week, same place, same time. And until then, this week, let's work on some volleys. Bye.